Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is Monday morning, bright and early. Here we go. Especially in LA, it's nice and cold this morning. It's like in the 50s, which is very cool. And it is going to be cloudy, I guess, for a while, which I love, although we have no rain. And it's Veterans Day in the U.S., so we are honoring our vets for making big decisions, big decisions with their lives for things that they believe are very, very important to their country. So it is a day to honor people as well. But today we are going to talk about ego. And ego is here. It's been here. We know it when we see it. We know it when we feel it. Because by now, we know what that voice sounds like that coaxes us along, tells us people don't like us, tells us we are not good enough, makes us feel extraordinarily great if people view us a certain way and then makes us feel really, really bad if people view us a certain way. It makes other people important to us in a way that is not balanced. It makes us do things and tell us people can't see. And then look at how flip-flop ego is. In one way, it's telling you you're bad, you're not good enough, you can't do good enough, you're, you're ugly, you're not lovable. All these things, it just goes on and on. And then it, it tells you things that are the complete opposite. Like, well, no one can see if you're lying. No one can see if you take that. No one can see if you do this. It's just, ego is endless with tactics and tricks and ways to separate ourselves from ourselves. It's not separating you from anyone else first. It's separating you from you first. That's the starting point because without you, it has no gain. Think about that. It has no gain. If you can't separate yourself from those thoughts and you dive into them and then you go at somebody with that language that ego talks, like, you know, trying to make you feel like, well, no one will ever know. Just say this. Just say that. Just take this. Just take that. No one will know. No one will see. No one will hear. And you listen over time you realize that no one is there because people don't know how to massage another person's ego. It's really one of the most, I want to say, turns people off type of things, especially when we know we are doing it. that we are doing it just to keep that person up. We're speaking to them in a certain way because we're afraid they're going to crash. 
because we also know the fragility of the ego. Ego is like a building without a foundation, a table without legs. It's not about you being good or bad. It's not about you feeling like you don't love yourself yet. It keeps trying to attack us with what others are doing, what others want. And if you can't get past that threshold, you will forever in your lifetime be chasing something that's just going to take you deeper and deeper into a hole which makes you blinder and blinder as you go down. There's many people who say, well, I did this because I thought people would want that or people would want this or people would need this. Well, you have to ask people what they need. You have to ask people what they want and then you can deliver exactly what they need or want if you choose to do so. But deciding it for them isn't going to work. When people come at me and decide for me what is right for me and what is wrong for me, what is good for me and what is bad for me. I'm like, why is that important to them? That's my first question. People want to tell me, you know, I don't want to get in your business, but I don't think this is okay, but I say, but why? What would it take from me to say that to someone else? Because I do respect the boundaries and the limits that I put out. Now, with kids, it's even harder because with your kids, you think like you could just do that and just tell them everything. And But there's things about the truth that ego cannot match. It actually runs away because the minute the truth starts walking the walk with you, meaning this is, this is who I am and I'm okay with it, something that simple. You can breathe. You don't have that shallow breath. You don't have the anxiety. You don't have all of those feelings. It's, you know, people look at ego as a war, you know, between good and bad, evil and good. they look at it that way and they're so serious about it and some people say they don't have it and some people say you know I listen to whatever voice but really ego is just a test in time while we're here it is designed to grow us closer to ourselves but we have to see it to know what we're even looking at I go back over and over again to awareness, being aware. Like let's just say you're, you're in line and at a grocery store and you run into someone you know and they look great. 
and you see them and you're like just having one of those quiet little days where you're just running around and you feel good. And then after you see them, you start having thoughts like, wow, they're doing great. Look at me. I didn't even really dress up today or I didn't really do this or do that. That's our ego. That's how simple it is. And it will come in and say that. And then when you hear that, say, hey, you know what? I was having a good day before I saw them. I'm really happy that they're doing great. I'm doing great too. And go on to your next thought. And you'll be able to. If you meet someone you were in high school with and they're doing great at their job, instead of thinking, well, they're doing so great and I'm doing horribly, think, I'm right where I want to be too. And let's say you're not. Let's say you feel like you didn't push hard enough or whatever. Say, these are choices I made and I stand by my choices. Because what you stand by today, you will stand by tomorrow. Whether you decide to pick up and go bigger or stay the same or even scale back your life and have it a little bit quieter. Owning who we are along the way allows us to see the voice that takes away from us along the way. People who are really, really restless, really restless. And they're saying, God, I'm always anxious. And they're like shaky and they need something to take to calm them down or drink to calm them down or whatever it is that they need or they think they need because they don't have the inner tools. Is ego telling them, oh, just do that. That will help. Oh, just do that. Oh, nobody will know. Oh, nobody will care. Everybody does know and everybody does care. That love is here. And if somebody doesn't love you that way, they're not people you you need to really be around or at least not listen to. So, of course, I ask Christ, so how do we deal with ego? It's now with everything we know, with everything we recognize, with that voice that decides in our head what is going on with us over and above what we feel in our gut over and above the fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt that ego is. What is a filter question that we can ask ourselves away from ego? What would that be? So I asked. And it was a series of four questions. And so it is one question that digs one question deeper and then another question deeper and then another question deeper. But after I asked the question and I got that four-part answer, I realized that you can use this in any situation, whether you are dealing with your children and you're trying to tell them why something isn't a good idea because they're coming to you for counsel and you are a parent for yourself in making a decision, whether it's a job, a house you're going to buy, a car you're going to buy, 
a place you're going to move, somebody you're going to accept in your life, meaning a partner or somebody new, because that's the big one. That's where a lot of our pain lives, and that's where a lot of it shows up. Because when we get close to someone new, who we really are starts to unveil itself time after time of seeing them. And that's how you know in your heart, is this a place I can stay? Or is this a place that isn't going to ultimately be good for either one of us? So what happened? What are those four questions? Well, the first question that he said to ask is, what am I choosing to do right now? Or is what I am choosing to do right now something I am trying to improve in myself? Is what I am choosing to do right now something I am trying to improve in myself? If so, why am I still doing it if I am not trying to improve? Or it will not improve me. A lot of times we fall into habits we know. Oh, just one more day before I diet. One more day before I exercise. One more day before I look for a better job. One more day before I sign up to start school. One more day before I tell my child that what they're doing is is actually not okay. Because all these things are hard to face. I actually know parents who don't want to anger their child by confronting them that some of the habits, like staying in your room all day or playing video games all day, they're, they're not going to help them. But let's find another structure to live in. But is what I am choosing to do right now something I am trying to improve in myself? If not, why am I still doing it? What do I need back from this action? That's the biggest question right there. What do I need back? I get a lot of things from people who say, but people do this and people do that. Yeah, we do. I'm not concerned about what people do. What I'm concerned about is what you do, why you want it. I don't need a world philosopher. I need your philosophy. You don't have control over what we think other people think. If I even for one minute needed anything back from the work that I do, I can't do it. I literally cannot do it. It's like a a wall just came between me and my work. I can't even think of what to write. But the minute I know that I'm just going to put it out there and go about my day, I'm fine. It's that black and white for me now. It wasn't in the past. Or if I tried to write something that pleased somebody. God would not let me do it. 
I was just, and I have to say that because it's like I could feel it stop. I, I, there's rules with God. There, it's funny because I didn't even know it until time went on. But I, I don't try to convince people. I don't try to change their mind. I don't try to tell them what's wrong or right with them. If they give me good news and I see it, I can congratulate. If they give me bad news, I tell them I'm sorry. I never offer advice anymore. I used to. Without being asked. And now even when I am asked, I'm cautious. But what can I do? What do I do? Is I'll tell them the truth. Doing that will not serve you well. And I know you know that. I know you know that. And sometimes you may be coming to me for permission or validation that what you're thinking is right. When you know it's not or you wouldn't need to ask me for validation of what you're thinking. Because I think of myself. If I came to a person for validation, what am I doing? I'm basically telling them I am not sure of where I'm at or why I'm there. So can you just tell me so I feel better about what I'm thinking? It took me a long time to understand. What do I need back from this action? Do I need this person to think I'm great? No. Do I need them to think I am right? No. How do I feel when I do that? Awful. Why would I still be doing it? I stopped because I did it enough to know that I feel awful. And is what I am choosing to do right now something I am trying to improve in myself? I was thinking that's what helping people was, but that isn't what's helping people. So it wasn't improving anything in myself. It was hurting me. So I stopped doing it, and I need nothing back from trying to do it, so I don't do it anymore. But the last thing, am I just putting off my own potential by ignoring self-care? When you feel like you're doing things for others, how others view you, and you're trying to shape public opinion, whether it's your family, your coworkers, whoever your public opinion is, that takes a lot of energy, and it's an endless well. There's no way you're going to shape it. That's the front. You can't put on a front. But when you pay attention to your own potential, you're not trying to convince the world how smart you are, how bad you are, how dumb we are, how stupid we are, how cool we are, whatever we think feeds us. When we stop doing that and listening to that voice that nags behind this truer voice that we have, 
Now we are allowing our own potential to show up. That is one of the best, most open-ended growths in our lives. Because now we're trusting that no matter where we are in the world, no matter where we are and how we feel about ourselves, at the very least, we know we have the potential to grow. There will always be something we want to improve because we're, we're learners. We're just natural learners. But we know we can, we can do it. We can feel it. We can be it. We can hear it. We can respond to it. And when something does try to come and claw its way in, we can say, hey, you know what? I, I don't need that. That isn't part of my plan. Good try. When I asked myself a certain question about, I don't know, when we did the launch of the master class, which the rest of it is coming, but when we did that launch and we just kind of, it was the test market, I realized there were things I was doing because what I saw was infuriating me. And I didn't realize it was infuriating me. And the reason it was infuriating me because it was coming at me, not to me, not with me, at me. Like a, a like somebody threw up a comment to either take away from what I was saying from my heart. So I realized, okay, this is becoming so negative, acting like it's not, that I can no longer participate. Maybe someone else would not see it that way, but it was affecting me that way. And I was trying to take it because I viewed not taking it would be mean. And then one day I go, wait a minute, back up, young lady. Get back in that corner and let's look at this whole thing in the entire room, not just your part of it. Why don't you like this? Well, it sounds so confrontational. And they just, those comments just shock me to such a degree that I had to start erasing them. I didn't even want to see them. Not because they agreed or disagreed with me. I could, I could live with that. But it was constant, unrelenting, and there was no stopping it. It was only getting worse. Every time I tried to feed it, it got worse. So then I had to say, why am I choosing to do something right now that does not improve anything I'm feeling? Why do I keep doing it? Because I didn't want to hurt someone's feelings. But then I thought, but they're hurting mine. Why didn't I think of that? What do I need back from this? Absolutely nothing. 
And once I could say those things out loud, was it hurting my potential? Yes. And in the beginning, when I removed myself from the whole game, because there is no game based on truth, I felt weirdly guilty. Because generally, I'm a nice person, and I associated that with not being nice. But I wasn't being nice to myself at all on any level. I was, I was accepting aggravation of others to myself, and I, I didn't deserve that. But I tried to take it. But then after two weeks, I kind of started to forget about it. And after three, I started to feel free again to just roll as I wished, to enjoy what I was doing. And now, five, six weeks later, I am absolutely grateful. Grateful that I did that. Because now I feel like I'm back in the safe zone of enjoyment of what I am doing. I allowed my niceness, in quotes, to get in the way of being nice to myself. So ego's going to show up. I don't care. You know, there's people that say, oh, we're so evolved. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Let me see how the first attack of ego looks like. It's not about being evolved and further along than other people because there's no soul more important than another. There's nobody that's exempt. We're all here to learn. I don't care who we are, whether I see Christ or not. Ego is going to try. I am not better than anybody by any means, by any, so never ever say that to me. But the bigger, cooler thing is, is the awareness of it. That's where we differ because Sometimes no one just told you that, hey, that's ego going on. We should call it a syndrome or a disorder, ego disorder, you know, because then we can like at least call it something and then write a whole list of everything it says. Because that awareness is what we need. Not how evolved I am. I don't even know what that means when I hear that. When I hear people try to tell other people how evolved they are and, 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 you know, whatever, follow me or listen to me or whatever it is. We are all learning together. There is no soul more important than another. We are all aware of different things at different times, but it by no means makes anyone better than anyone else. When you have a discovery about yourself that's true and solid, that's the best feeling in the world. There is nothing that can match that feeling. I do not care what it is, how big it is, why it exists. 
nothing feels as good in life to anybody, myself included, until we act on what's truth and solid in our souls. Because when we do that, we trust ourselves. And when we trust ourselves, we can take on something bigger. And that's where our potential kicks in. When Christ said, am I putting off my own potential by ignoring self-care? By trying to get something back from every action I have. Show people how smart I am. Show people how much I know. Show people whatever. That doesn't work. Asking yourself why you're still doing things that really bother you, hurt you, make you feel bad. Even if it's self-punishment, like constantly overeating or something like that. Why are you doing it? Not just other people, things we do. Does that go against what I'm trying to improve in my life? True and solid wins. That's where we rest. You guys have a great Monday. Enjoy this day. Enjoy the start of the week, and I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.